Hello. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. Oh, man. What? Oh, you should have said welcome. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am Alan, and uh, if Ski should marry his mom, that would make him a convicted killer. Ski. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if this man and I do get married, there will be plenty of father-son picnics. Oh. In front. <laughs> <laughs> but if you and I get married... We'll have plenty of father-son picnics. I don't know. It was a line. <laughs> we do have sons, so there are three sons between the two of us, so that'll be a lot more father-son picnics. I suppose. I thought you were talking about role-play, that where one of you would act like the father and the other the son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I felt, so there's a little something different this week than yeah. there has ever been on our episodes before, yeah. because we have done all seven and three-quarter seasons mm-hmm. in my basement, but I recently had a fire, and not a big one, but enough that it impacted, you know, the space, and, and we're displaced okay. while they're getting things cleaned up. So now Brent yes. is hosting, so if there's any difference in the audio sound, mm-hmm. don't worry, the quality of our podcasting mm-hmm. will not change, but the audio <laughs> may have just a slight difference in the, you know, echo of the room or the whatever kind of thing. Whatnot, yeah. yeah, acoustics, thank you. I have uh, welcomed the Sophia's Choice Diaspora. With open arms. Yes. <laughs> the huddled masses have been welcomed here. <laughs> and I have to say that as far as like cool stuff around his uh, his office here by far beats the uh, the basement that we were working in. Oh, thank you. Um, it it's really very cool. impressive. Oh, thank so. you. What is diaspora? Diaspora. It's just like, like dis- not dis- necessarily displaced people, but just like uh, people who've immigrated. Oh, okay, else. yeah. Mm-hmm. huddled mass. I got yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know I'm familiar with the term. Yeah. Um, I'm like, yeah, I'm comfortable up here in my little home office and everything. It sort of suits me. Well, that's good. I'm glad. You got some really cool stuff. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, like I got it, it sort of had a day where I was like, all right, this is it. It's perfect. I don't need to make any more changes. And then people were like, hey, do you think you could take in your brother Tad? And I was like, nope, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) This office is set. (laughs) And they're like, oh, it's cool. We'll work it out with the institution. <laughs> well, before we get to the episode, would you guys like to hear some extra openings that I think would probably have been better than the ones I actually chose? Um, yes, but before you do, okay, um, just to sort of piggyback off of like me and you getting married uh-huh. or whatever, um, you know, it put a thought in my head that here, like within the next like eight nine weeks or whatever, um, when we sort of you know move on or figure out whatever's next or whatever. Right. Like, there could be a scene where, like, you and I are walking down the street and we've got Ski between us and we're each, like, holding one of his hands. Yeah. And, <laughs> and that'll be, like, me and you trying to trying to co-parent Ski. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, we're divorced, we've moved on, but we still have to you know, right. keep him on the straight and narrow. I don't want to go astray. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So if y'all see us at the mall, that's that's what we're doing. Just trying to trying to co-parent this little scamp. Do those father-son picnics. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> He's a lovable scamp, but he, he still gets in a lot of trouble. So, <laughs> so yes, alternate openings. Okay. Tickle my fancy. Well, I, I should have introduced one of you as Spot the Dirty Fire Dog. <laughs> I think Ski even uh, alluded dirty to Dirty or dieting? What's that? I thought it was dieting fire dog i thought it was the dirty fire dog yeah, but maybe it was because he's you know not white oh, well i had the uh 
I'd replayed it again because I wasn't sure. Really? And it had the uh, subtitles on it. It said yeah. dieting. Okay, well, that would make sense, too, because a Greyhound is definitely so thinner than a, oh. than your typical Dalmatian. <laughs> so, um, Let's see. There was also, I thought that a... Now, this would have been one that... I don't know who I would have picked because Brent has already seen that a lot of times one is good and one is bad. So I would have mm-hmm. felt like Brent would have uh, been anticipating mm-hmm. um, if I if I gave Ski a good one. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, he's just a walking joke to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then there is a... Oh, this is what I should have introduced Brent, Brent as. Oh, well. Uh, he hates the podcast here because he has to make them. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, let's see... Uh, he wants a handful of Bob Barker would be another option. And That'd be me, baby. And the final one I thought was he has a plan and a hostage. <laughs> um, yeah, so today uh, we're going over Golden Palace episode 19 or season 8 episode 19 as these two prefer. A new leash on life. Uh, Ski's going to be doing our recap today. Yeah. He has some sort of a dice-based game um, yeah. at some point. Well, we got a spinner. That'll oh, a spinner, yeah. Well. It'll be a spinner-based so, game. Whenever I say dice in the, my coming up things, understand it's just going to be the spinner. Yeah, yeah. Brenton, in his efforts to find some dice, uh, came up with the life spinner, which so I think has a pleasing sound to it to yeah. our ASMR people. Yeah. There you go, yeah. If, if I'd had some advanced nervous, I could have found our 20-sided die. Do you think there is anybody who possibly listens to this because of an a- enjoyment of ASMR? <laughs> I, oh, I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't think so either. Like, I don't think that... I, mean, I would feel sorry for whatever they were enjoying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that anybody who is listening to this, you know, for the ASMR pleasures is also into, like, S&M. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's one of those things that these are not pleasant sounds that they're hearing. <laughs> I don't know. None of us have bad voices. I'll say that much. Like I've I've listened to, neither of you two have ever listened to a single episode right. of us. But I have, of course, listened to all of them as mm-hmm. I do the the, you know, half-hearted editing that yeah. I do. Um, yeah. But uh, and none of us have unpleasant to listen to voices. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. Like none none of us are nasal or, um, yeah. you know, particularly uh, shrill or anything like that. So yeah. what do you mean, Alan? <laughs> so do you think like? Whichever one of us is the last man standing in life, do you think they'll ever go back and listen just to hear their their two former co-hosts? Um, you know, I guess it depends on. Like, so can you is... imagine yourself? You're a hundred years old. Ski and I have shuffled off this mortal coral decades ago. Do you think you'll re-listen just to? Oh yeah, I could see doing that. Um, the only thing that I don't know, and this just shows my ignorance, I guess. But I don't know what will happen to the mm-hmm. podcast when we're no longer making new ones and I'm mm-hmm. no longer paying the hosting service. I, I don't mm-hmm. know if I would... Well, then after the war and technology has failed us. Yeah, that's you know? true, too. <laughs> I mean, the nice thing is with this is that now, like, Bren, you have definitely right. watched some Black Mirror, and I know Ski has. Yeah. Um, now I think there's enough recording out there of us that if one of us dies and the AI, mm-hmm. you know, can recreate us. I mean... Yeah. There's exactly. a lot of stuff about our life, obviously, our, our speech yeah. patterns and all that kind of stuff is all, yeah. you know. Exactly. So I think in that situation, you know, I'll, I'll have to send like a self-addressed stamped envelope out to, you know, Numi. And they're like, hey, send me an iPod Nano with all these episodes on it. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> I'd like to think she has them all downloaded. Yeah. <laughs> on her Nano. <laughs> I'd have to say, I don't know how much a Nano can hold, but we have made a lot of damn content. <laughs> And we're over 200 episodes at this point. When it's all said and done, it's going to be somewhere around like 220 um, in that ballpark anyway. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think that we have definitely put forth 
more than a nano can hold. <laughs> more than a nano should hold, let's be honest. <laughs> you don't it's pretty need dense nowadays. Yeah. You never know. It is crazy. We recently had and I I never know like what exact how these kind of things happen. But we recently had, I believe it was our highest listens in a single day ever. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah. It was like hundred and seventy or eighty, something like that in one day. May God have mercy on that individual yeah. soul. <laughs> well, and it's not like it was 170 to the new episode. It was like 170. <laughs> I don't know, like yeah. someone just burned through the whole series in yeah. one day, which yeah. I'm like, you know, God bless. Um, <laughs> but I just don't understand how their system works at uh-huh. counting exactly. for them to come up with that number. But. I'm sure it was somebody who was having a hard time coming up with uh, New Year's resolutions. And yeah. they're like, oh, I know, I'll listen to this thing. And then they'll be like, my New Year's resolution is to never again. <laughs> <laughs> so you felt like they were like, all just right, well, yeah, I said I'd yeah. listen to it. So I got to quickly, you know, hit exactly. play on every one of them. And exactly. then I can call myself done. It's like the sitcom trope where they make the kids smoke a pack of cigarettes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, mathematically, there's not enough hours in the day to listen to 170 episodes. I'm sure they, so. they listen to the episodes the way that you watch the episodes at, like, three times the speed. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> you can definitely get a lot more in that way. Three times as many. <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, mathematically accurate. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, just in case you weren't in the actually, I even gave you the wrong number. One hundred eighty-nine mm. listens was how many we had for that one day. Nice. So, what day was it? Uh, that would have been Monday, so January first. I guess oh. it is the New Year. So nice. I was like, all right, exactly. Well, maybe that was the resolution for twenty twenty-three. They're like, no Sophia's choice this year. I'd like to think that and it was they, someone so addicted that well, I gotta get back on the horse. They'd been chosen for three hundred sixty-five days. <laughs> I think what it was is someone was like, all right, this year I'm going to catch up on all the podcasts that I didn't finish, and yeah. they had listened to episode one, mm-hmm. and then they're like, okay, I kind of gave up on it after the one, but yeah. now I got this resolution, so I got to burn through one hundred eighty-nine. Yeah. Episodes well, you get caught up. I, I hope they saw us get better <laughs> or heard us at least. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess the thing that's disconcerting to me is you know, with all the conflicts going on in the world, there may be 189 prisoners of war who <laughs> 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 were oh, yeah. subjected was it used as torture. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know what? I mean, if if that's our niche, <laughs> then I'm sure that eventually they'll get the Stockholm and love us because of exactly. you know we're all they know. Exactly. I think it's appropriate though that they're listening against their will because I've been recording against my will. <laughs> <laughs> Just a circle of life. Comes, yeah. Comes full circle now. I don't know. I think that you have had the option to drop out whenever, but I I appreciate I my word. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. I appreciate that you have stuck stick stuck to with it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, all right. Well, Ski, if, you, if you're ready, I don't have anything else today. I have a few listener interactions, but I'm going to save them for my episode in a couple weeks. Only because... <laughs> you're running light. Yeah, I am. I, I just didn't have the time. It, I, like I said, I mentioned the fire. It's been a little yeah. hectic and all that, so I didn't have any yeah. bonus filler for uh-huh. mine. So that'll be the bonus filler is nice. the people kind well, enough I, to send I us messages. I am definitely not light. Okay. So. Yeah, I think Ski said, which... I find it hard to believe because some of those early episodes would go two plus hours long when Ski was doing all the recaps. But he said that this is the longest he's ever spent on a recap. So, well, do you remember what I you told know, you though? Buckle up, slut puppies, because <laughs> it was because I kept stopping and starting. Like I actually did this uh, full thing over the course of a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And normally when I'm doing a recap, I'll kind of sit yeah. down and try to get it done in one sitting. Yeah. 
with what I was telling Alan earlier, I had to, because I think it was like around Thanksgiving or something like that, you know, I went through like all the six episodes we've got left mm -hmm. and got all my viewings and my recaps and introductions and everything taken care of. And then like we took this unintended pause and which is totally justified and everything. But like I was like, I need to refigure out like what's going on <laughs> this week. <laughs> so I rewatched all three episodes that we're talking about today. Gotcha. Just to get them refreshed or whatever. But I also like there was a line in one of my recaps that in the interim I'd learned that, you know, he's not cool. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> just somebody that I sort of mentioned in passing. And then I was like, oh, he's a garbage person. <laughs> so luckily it's not this time. Next time we meet, so I've got time to go through and cross out his name. Or <laughs> add a, add you can or you talk about him as a garbage person. I, I, I will. I think I will. Okay. And all I'll do is just sort of circle it and put a little asterisk. That so way I'm like, remember oh. to demean. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Put him in their place. I just like the idea that what you found out, it wasn't that you found out a person was worse than you thought they were. Um, it's just that you found out a term you've been using your whole life oh, was yeah. inappropriate. No, no. It was, it was, um, there was, there was an individual I was talking that I'll be speaking of mm. in a few weeks. And then I just sort of mentioned that, you know, he was my favorite out of a group of three that he's associated with. Mm. And I was like, but if you all like the other two, that's fine. You know, there's no wrong choice. But now I found out there is a wrong choice. Uh. <laughs> so you could like my guy, one of the other guys. But if you like the third guy, <laughs> no. you know, I hope you're not the person who's bumping up our numbers because <laughs> we're going to lose you. <laughs> so. All right, Ski. Well, you can kick <clears throat> it off then. All right, season eight, episode nineteen. Correct. A new leash on life. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Original air date. <laughs> See, that's the ASMR part. That's Ski does not have an unpleasant voice, <laughs> but he does have a tendency to like to do loud things that he yes. either thinks are funny or or unintentional, like the the throat clear. So that would be uh -huh. the only unpleasant mm -hmm. part of our. But, but you edit those out for the most part, right? I try my best. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. I've got a 60% success rate. Yeah. <laughs> he can't edit it out now, though, can he? Yeah. Well, sometimes Ski will do something odd, like a hee-haw or something like oh, yeah. that. Like, to where it's... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> to where it's like, yeah, I could edit it out, but I feel mm -hmm. bad because then I'm editing out Ski's intentional comedy. Mm -hmm. I mean, his unintentional comedy is by far his best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's also typically where it's at his expense. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I feel like I need to leave in his, you know, maybe... Yeah. Overly boisterous hee haws and mm -hmm. whatnot, some yeah. loivens. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so anyways, sorry, yeah. Ski, you may, may continue. Sorry, yeah, that's a new leash on life. Original air date was April 2nd, 1993, uh, written by Marco Panette yeah. and directed by Alex Paceros. Marco Panette, is that a first time we've heard that name? I don't recognize it, but I haven't gone back to check. Yeah, I know he invented the telephone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> good for him. It was like Marco Polo. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no. what's his name? I mean, Alexander Graham Bell is the one I know of as far as the telephone. Yeah, we stole it from like Marco Venuti or something oh, okay. like that. <laughs> so he he stole it from this dude. Exactly. <laughs> I I've heard the name you're talking about. Yeah. I don't remember what it is exactly. Yeah. It's, I think it is like Marco something. Yeah. I don't like to question history, Brent. <laughs> <So> <laughs> to to the victors go the spoils. Uh, <laughs> Wow. So, you know, that, that kind of plays into what we're talking about a little bit. We'll get to that. Um, I've got a lot going on here. I've got what, what I've labeled prologue. Oh, okay. Uh, I give it a subtitle, Episode Switcheroo. Mm, mm. Uh, 
When I research episode details for this podcast, I primarily refer to the following three websites. Okay. Wikipedia, IMDb, and Hulu, which (laughs) the latter site is where I've been watching the episodes for the past many seasons. Gotcha. Okay. That's why it's a resource. Yeah. Uh, Unless I'm looking up a a reference made in an episode or a period-specific information, those sites are usually enough. Yeah. In uh, preparation for this recap, however, I found an odd discrepancy. I'd like to think that, like, when you're researching, like, that's the whole reason why you have the dark web <laughs> at home. My special browser? It, yeah, exactly. At least that's what you tell the family. That's right, yeah. like, Nobody go on my dark web. I need it for my podcast. All right. <laughs> Not selling any children or anything like that. Exactly. You can't prove it anyway. Exactly. There's no official paper trail. Nobody didn't say bye. Right, yeah. Because <laughs> he's a good guy. Exactly, he's a man of his word. Right. He's not disgusting. Exactly. <laughs> he just doesn't care about other people. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I found an odd discrepancy. Uh, the Wikipedia site for Golden Palace has uh-huh. a list, of course, of every episode, uh, stating the air date, date, uh, writer, director, and brief synopsis. Okay. That's one we usually use. Um, the Wikipedia site uh, for Golden Palace has a list of each episode as well, also stating the air date. Oh, sorry. I jumped away. Wikipedia site has all that stuff that we often cite. Um, uh, the sites state uh, the original air date for episode 19 as March 5th, 1993. Okay. Which is titled The Chicken and the Egg. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, both IMDb and Hulu show this as being episode 24, which is the series finale. Mm-hmm. So that'll be our episode 24, ultimately. Uh, confusingly, IMDb does confirm the original air date as being 3593, uh, but still places as the final episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, furthermore, the other two sites also show uh, episode 19 as being titled A New Leash on Life, mm-hmm. as we already talked about. Yeah. Uh, you, may, <clears throat> excuse me, again. you may agree that it's an oddity, but also wonder why it matters enough that I've written a prologue in my recap. Mm-hmm. My answer is this. I actually handpicked this episode <laughs> to create a unique style recap, largely based on the date March 5th. Some interesting things occurred on that date throughout history. Here are a few you may or may not be aware of. I'm aware you need to stay in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll do some beer right here, buddy. So, you know, yeah, I think Brent was a... Watch for my blinker. <laughs> If Brent was the supervillain in, in, you know, one of the comic book universes, he would definitely be Calendar Man. <laughs> it's, a, it's a noble character. Right. Yeah. Um, 1770. My sidekick, Julian Boy. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, this is all stuff on March 5th, you know, throughout history. Yeah. 1770, uh, one that Brent actually pointed out. The Boston Massacre occurred. A little information on it if you're not familiar. British soldiers being taunted by Bostonians and struck with snowballs fired into a crowd of people, killing three, Mm -hmm. including African-American escaped slave turned sailor, Christmas addicts, Mm -hmm. and injuring eight others, two of whom would later succumb to their wounds. Mm -hmm. Uh, Despite the relatively small body count, the event was dubbed as a massacre and used to galvanize American colonies against Britain. Mm -hmm. I'm sure some might argue that there are very fine people on both sides. <laughs> uh, 1827, Alessandro Volta died at age 82. Mm-hmm. Volta was an Italian physicist and chemist created, credited with the invention of the electric battery and for whom the electric unit Volt is named. 
1887, Ayator Villalobos was born. Mm -hmm. He would become a Brazilian musician and Latin American composer. I don't really know much more about him, but I keep, but keep his name in mind. Okay. Okay. Play later. Okay. Um, in eight, 1953, Soviet leader Joseph Stalin died at age 74, having suffered a stroke four days prior. Uh, as you may know, Stalin helped the Allied forces defeat Nazi Germany in World War II, mm -hmm. but was also responsible for the death and suffering of millions during his reign over Soviet Russia. Mm -hmm. Not a great guy. Take yeah. the good, you take the bad. <laughs> <laughs> there you have. Yeah. <laughs> the facts of Russia. <laughs> 1963, sadly, Patsy Cline died at age 30. Oh, crazy. A pioneer in the country and Western genre, she was beloved by many with unquestionable talent and wide-ranging appeal. Mm -hmm. She passed away in a plane crash near Camden, Tennessee. Which, you know, yeah, my grandson's name Shannon. So that's what you named him after, right? That's exactly right. No, no, no but was he named after a time in Tennessee? He is not. I know your wife spends a lot of time in Tennessee. So she does. Know. It's it's an odd... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure where my daughter and yeah. uh, Eddie got that name. Gotcha. I'm sure they've told us in the past, but I don't recall. <laughs> it didn't seem germane. <laughs> I think they just liked it as well. That's probably it's not. Yeah, I like special. the idea that it has like a real special meaning. It's just like, whatever, just let me meet them. <laughs> they're like, hey, do you kids uh, remember to pick up diapers? And they're like, funny story. Do you know he's named after? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tell me. I don't care. You're like, I guess I'll go to the CBS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Say what? And then you're like, I guess I'll go to the CBS. <laughs> uh, to get the aforementioned diapers. Yeah, exactly, yes. I like the fact that you're like, just in case you don't know why you're going to CBS. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the crux of this joke is that they didn't get the diapers exactly. and tried to distract you. Exactly. <laughs> Hi-oh! <laughs> Zing them right out. Uh, 1979. <clears throat> My voice is all cracking. The U.S. space probe Voyager 1 flew by Io, Jupiter's innermost moon. Hmm? It observed active volcanoes on the surface. Hmm? I think it may actually be the most active volcanism in the uh, um, solar system. Oh, really? Hmm. In 1996. Okay. This one's a special one. Yeah. Pulp Fiction, my favorite Tarantino movie, hmm. was released to VHS by Miramax Home Entertainment. VHS stands for Video Home System <laughs> and uh, actually played on analog video cassette tapes. <laughs> for those who are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what the... Uh... Last major motion picture released on VHS was? Not a clue. A History of Islands. History of Islands? <laughs> yes. It's a, the biopic of a human. No, it's a. What would you say? History of Violence. 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 Uh, Vigo Mortensen. Okay. Naked Maria Bello. I thought you said I, Islands. Yeah. So did I. And I was like, and I was like, <laughs> History of Islands, major motion picture? That seems like a stretch because that sounds like a Discovery Channel. Yeah. Kind Wasn't of. there an SNL skit with like. Violins and violence mixed up, uh, like the, Rosanna, Dana, Dana, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Chevy Chase or something. Yeah, but, anyway, as I first saw Pulp Fiction on VHS <laughs> at my home when I was quote old enough. Yes, uh, Pulp Fiction serves as the inspiration for today's unique episode recap. I'd like to think you first watched Pulp Fiction on VHS in Orlando's van. <laughs> <laughs> Come on in, buddy. Like, you seem You're of age. Want to watch a movie? <laughs> right. <laughs> Sure, mister. Uh, originally planned to pay uh, homage to uh, the podcast group decision to follow... Uh, oh, sorry. I just jumped ahead again. Mm -hmm. Kind of funny that the actual episode we'll be discussing didn't play on that date, right? It's a little ironic. 
Uh, it was, however, the podcast group decision to follow the IMDb and Hulu episode order. So that was just, it made it easier. Uh, Alan and Brent will take turns rolling dice, but in this case doing the little spinner. Okay. Uh, to determine which scene we will jump to, listening ah. to that story in distinctly non-linear way. Unless fate works against me. Okay. <laughs> that would be almost amazing if it did. If it was like one, two, yeah. <laughs> three. <laughs> you know, we'll, if that happened, we will stick with it. Okay. And it will be a distinctly linear way. Do you need an ink pen to mark off the scenes again? I've got one right here. Okay. Um, if you remember uh, Heiter Villalobos from earlier. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. Old Fiction has a character named Esmeralda Villalobos. Yeah. She served as a taxi driver that drove Bruce Willis's character... Butch, as he escaped after a fight he'd promised to throw, but distinctively won, or decisively won. And on 2011, my dad died at age 58. Mm. And I want to say I love you and miss you, Dad. And I'm sorry this isn't a better podcast. I don't know. I mean, I would definitely say that uh, Bob deserves better. <laughs> but, <laughs> but as far as sons go, he got as good as you can get. So. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. You're all too kind. Both, both aspects of that. Mm. So... Since you like the uh, sound of it, do we want to do all the spinning on air? Or oh, do we sure. Do I mean, it's it's a quick spin. I mean, yeah. I think it's far enough away from the microphones as well that it's not going to be. So, okay. The original plan was if we were going to be in the basement, you could both have a dice and then uh, both roll and whoever got the high roll would uh, do the first set. Oh, okay. So you guys would take turns determining episode, uh, Alan's, episode order. Alan's the guest. He can go first. All okay. right. Sounds fine. All right. So you're ready for me to spin to find out what I scene am. we're going to start and, with? And if it's on a 10 or a 9, you have to spin again. Now, if we, if we, is it just spin again also if we happen to get the same one yes. twice? I've okay. got a little listing right here, one through eight. All right. Uh, different scenes. So that's why we have to go up to eight, obviously. All right. Well, here we go. So the first scene will be learning about it. It's scene number, well, not 10. Okay. <laughs> Four. Four. All right. All right. Here we go, brother. Oh, so we're going to do all the spinning and then. Yes. Gotcha. That way I'll okay. place them. Oh, okay. I'll place them in order. And that way, another 10. <laughs> a one. one. Uh, it's on five. Yes. Now it's on six. You got six? Yep. Can we do it? Can we change it again? Sure. That will sway in order, obviously. Eight. 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 Ooh. Now we got six. So we got two and three left. And seven. Two, yep. three, and seven. <laughs> There's three. three. There's three. Two and seven. There's two. Yep. All right. And, uh, the last one obviously is become seven by right. default. Exactly. So rob me of my spins. I mean, you can keep running if you want. <laughs> I will uh, quickly put these in the our new order. So if you want to cut that out or something. I'm sure that the people are enjoying this spinning sound. Like I said, I think it's the satisfying sound. Normally, the sound you're hearing is what's coming out of Brent's seven. back end, but this time it's coming <laughs> <laughs> So you finally got that seven? Yes, yes, oh, okay. I did. Good deal. <coughs> Statistically, just off the top of your head, do you think it took you a reasonable number of spins to get to that? Yeah, I think I got it within 10 spins. Okay. And you would think that I've got a one in 10 chance of getting it. Right. So Ski is now in the process of shuffling his papers up to give us this... Uh, Special order. Yes, 
So do you have it like one page per scene? I have it, yes. Nice. Yes. I thought that would probably be the by yes. far fastest way of doing that. Yeah. I've been playing a lot of blackjack on my phone recently. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How, how, are you, how are you a blackjack? I'm okay. I mean, blackjack is one of those games where it's like there's pretty much a set set of rules, and if you just follow them, mm-hmm. then that gives you the best possibility of coming yeah. out ahead. Yeah. I think it's like if you follow the rules, then you've got like a 51% chance of winning. Oh, okay. So if you play it long enough and you always follow the rules, eventually you're going to come out of something. Yeah. yeah. It's just a matter of like going big when you know, oh, this is going to come my way. Right. But again, there's no guarantee. So so immediately I realize uh, that certain terms may not actually apply because this, uh, this uh, um, section starts with the next morning. Okay. Oh, Which gotcha. you guys will be like, Whatever. Everybody, I mean, I think you've explained it. Most people, I'm sure, have watched Pulp Fiction or at least enjoyed it. If you haven't, for goodness sake, you should. It's way better than this podcast. It is. <laughs> it is. But not as good as Jackie Brown. I, I I have never actually seen Jackie Brown, so I can't say. It is quite good. Um, but anyways. I'm glad I finally have a reason to kick you out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say to kick my ass. Oh, I've like, always had a reason. Bring it on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that so part of the uh, tournament, right at the yeah. end, it's yeah, which episode's best? It'll be some fisticuffs, exactly. It'll be a, a brawl to find out which is the best episode. <laughs> That'll be our scientific method. I've had a reason to kick your ass ever since you locked that bathroom stall and kept me from my destination. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the one time I was afraid of you <laughs> when you almost ripped the door right off yeah. the hinges. What are you guys referring to? There was one time when Brent and I were, we talked about it before, maybe not on the podcast, but we were both, I think, worked on a weekend, and so the place was almost completely deserted, and neither of us knew that the other one was there, and I was in the stall in the bathroom, and Brent came in, assuming he was alone, and went to open the stall door, but it was locked, but he, like, pulled it with such furious um, strength that, I mean, it was just, it it was jarring for me while I was on the toilet, and then... You know, he realized and went to the next one, but then I think he recognized my shoes, and he was like, Alan, is that you? <laughs> and you're like, finally, my wide stance is going to pay dividends. Right. <laughs> but yeah, that was, uh, I don't know, that was very early on in our friendship. Um, <laughs> the good old days, if yes. you will. Prior to kids for me. Mm-hmm. Brent's kids were still, uh, two of them weren't around yet, and mm-hmm. the other two were very small. Yeah. So. All right. Well, the next morning... <laughs> Blanche enters the lobby and asks Roland where his mom is, as she wanted to invite them to join at the dog track for the day. Rose explains that she'd already gone to brunch with Chewie. Roland quickly gets volatile, loudly attesting that they're only getting pancakes and are definitely not dating. Hmm. After a rather childish outburst, he storms into the office. Blanche then turns to Rose and says, Why didn't you tell me Chewie and Roland's mother were dating? She and Rose have a smile and a giggle over the idea. Just then, Mr. Sardisco enters through the front door with Darling Flo on a leash. Rose rushes over to greet her baby, petting the dog. And Blanche walks over to greet her baby, referring to Charlie, Mr. Sardisco. She thanks him uh, for a nice evening, and then uh, he thanks her in return. He admits that when you uh, travel around with uh, just a dog, you tend to forget how to talk to people. As they uh, say this, or as he says this, he puts his hands on her shoulders and then moves his hand to scratch Blanche behind the ear and tells her she's a good girl. <laughs> Blanche flashes an uneasy smile at his affection. She chuckles and says she kind of likes dog people. 
She then asks him how old uh, he said she was, and he says seven, and she laughs happily. Rose is down on her knees petting the dog and giving him a, giving her a pep talk about just trying her best, but they'll all love her the same, win or lose. Mm -hmm. Sophia isn't so cheery and suggests to the dog that winning is uh, the only real option, that if she doesn't win, she won't be able, she won't only be eating Alpo, Alpo, 79 cents a can, Bob. Mm -hmm. Charlie offers to give uh, the girls a ride uh, to the track. Lance says she and Sophia will need to get their purses. Charlie says he'll go get the muzzle. Lance quickly replies, though, that it won't be necessary, as they just give Sophia a single beer while at the track. Right. She then laughs it off, realizing he's referring to the dog. Lance and Sophia exit. Uh, the camera then turns again on Rose, talking to Darling Flo. She tells her that if she is to lose, there's always next time. Mr. Sardisco, however, corrects her uh, that if she does lose, there will not be a next time. He explains that racing dogs only get so many chances at winning, and if she loses another race, he'll have to, quote, put her down. Mm -hmm. Rose naively responds that insulting her won't help much. Right. Uh, he again corrects her by clarifying that he means that he had to put her to sleep. Uh, Rose, of course, doesn't understand the dog is still young and very healthy. Uh, Charlie continues to explain that after losing three or four races, a greyhound has essentially outlived its usefulness, that winnings help fund kennel and training costs. Rose is immediately disgusted by the concept of killing an innocent animal just because it do doesn't win some stupid, superficial race designed solely to entertain or enrich people. She gets up and storms away. <laughs> that was a bit of my own uh, characterization. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, later, Chewie and Roland's mother re-enter the hotel. She is talking about how much she ate and says she must have uh, gained 10 pounds from brunch. Chewie laughs, but reassures her that she has a great figure. Meanwhile, Roland ducked behind the desk, or the check-in desk, and is secretly peering over at them. He tells Chewie that uh, she's going to go find Roland, uh, but thanks him for the meal. Uh, they share a little short kiss and part ways. She exits, and Chewie turns around to see Roland uh, slowly and menacing rise from behind the desk. Side note, it seems odd that he wouldn't call for Roland's mom, who is likely still in earshot, since she literally just said that she was planning to find her son. Right. Uh, Chewie comments on how cool it is to see Roland uh, make that vein in his head pop out so prominently. <laughs> Roland, Roland is incensed that Chewie kisses his mother on the lips. Uh, Chewie tries to joke it off, but then protests that it was just an innocent little peck. Roland reminds his friend that uh, she is currently going through a divorce. She's vulnerable and doesn't need mixed or confused emotions right now. Chewie says that uh, she could do a lot worse than hanging out with one of the top chefs in Miami. Roland agrees uh, that it wouldn't be too bad. But Tyler said he just doesn't want her dating him. Right. Roland tells him to stay away from his mother, but Chewie suggests uh, he just stay away from Roland. As he walks away, he comments that if they ever do get married, he can forget about those father-son picnics. Right. Uh, Roland scoffs and waves off the idea. At the truck. Oh, yes, sir? Um, I'll wait till you're finished. Okay, okay. At the track, we see a dog race in progress with indistinct announcer chatter. Then we see Blanche and Sophia at the betting counter. Blanche walks away with a ticket while Sophia holds a pair of binoculars backwards and complains that they charge $5 for them and they don't even improve the view. Blanche gets, uh, <clears throat> generally turns them back around with a smile of personal superiority. Sophia looks up at her and comments, I'm just a walking joke, aren't I? Or, I'm just a walking joke to you, aren't I? We hear an announcer over the loudspeaker that number seven, Darling Flo, has been scratched from the next race. Just then, 
Charlie hurries up to them and explains that his dog has been stolen right before the race. We are then shown Rose in the hotel kitchen sticking large black spots onto the side of the dog. She tells the good girl that from now on, she's a Dalmatian fire dog and offers her some doggy treats. Very nice. So, yeah, I think you covered all the uh, particular lines in that scene. It's going to be a little hard for me to chime in with, uh, <laughs> yeah, with your odd, format today. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think you covered it. This that almost ep- is a microcosm of the whole episode right there. Yeah, yeah, that did pretty well cover what's going on. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much I'm supposed to spoil about the story itself <laughs> with you, with your, you know, unusual format here. But basically, what we know is that Roland's mom is dating Chewie, or at least has gone on some dates mm-hmm. with Chewie. Um, or Roland, outings, as you yeah. might characterize them. Roland is not happy about that at all. Uh, which I can understand that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we also know that there is a, a dog racing person that is, a, you know, staying at the hotel, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. And he's definitely dating Blanche a bit. And mm-hmm. But he has revealed that the dogs get put down, which, you know, if they don't consistently win. Which mm-hmm. kind of made me think, like, I wonder if this is one that Betty White specifically yeah. pushed for. Because she was a really big animal <laughs> rights advocate. I assumed as much. <clears throat> Yeah, especially I mean, in the more preachy aspects of it. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not diminishing what she's saying. I'm just saying that it definitely stuck out like a sore thumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it felt like a PSA at certain mm-hmm. points. Well, she um, was the only one that was really sticking up for the dog the whole episode. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, if I wanted to watch a very special episode, we'd be doing a Blossom podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, that scene that you just went. Obviously, that was a scene that got a lot in, and it was a solid scene overall. Um, and yeah, definitely gets. Yeah, it was right in the middle of the episode too, so it was yeah. kind of almost a recap on its own yeah. of everything we'd learned. So, yeah, so, so now sorry, everybody. No we can just cut it off now. <laughs> <laughs> All sorry. right, stay. Uh, <laughs> did, so, oh, you had Brent. Um, so I have two things. Number one, I think the math is a little fuzzy when he said she's seven. Like I think he's going in the wrong order. <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, I mean, I guess the joke is that, oh, she's 49, yeah. but it seems like 49 in dog years would be seven in human years, and, like, he's going the wrong way. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's, I mean, but I think that was the joke, like, that she's yeah. seven, so seven times seven would be 49. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Long story short, it doesn't matter. Okay. My main thing is, okay, um, and I didn't realize this was going to be the point until I realized we had a Pulp Fiction theme. Okay. Right. So... As far as Chewy kissing Roland's mom on the lips, uh-huh. okay, is that worse or better than if uh, Chewy would have given Roland's mom a foot massage? <laughs> mm, I guess it depends. Like, I would say worse because it implies, like, some intimacy on both sides, uh-huh. whereas the foot massage mm-hmm. is maybe Roland or maybe Chewy being creepy and the mom yeah. accepting, yeah. I guess, a creepy gesture, yeah, um, but not necessarily her giving anything in return, so gotcha. it's a little less two-way in that. Yeah, yeah I, I think I agree with that, so thank you for Claire, showing me the light. Now, how would you, like, you know, I... I don't know if we ever discussed this specifically, but, you know, like, Brent, I know your mom is married. Um, Ski's mom is single. My mom is single. Mm-hmm. Would it bother either of you if I started dating, if, if, you know, obviously if I became single, if I started dating one of your moms? Yeah. It would? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that would bother you also, Brent? Yeah, I think so. Now, let's say your mom is single, though, of course. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not trying to break I mean, her or break up or anything. I don't in the world, but uh, I think that would just be entirely awkward. I mean, it would be awkward, but I mean, you two are both respectful guys who I think 
care about tradition, mm-hmm. you would call me dad if we got married, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think half the time I call you daddy now. Yeah. <laughs> half the time. Right. <laughs> when well, the mics the other, are off. The yeah. other time it's zaddy. Yeah. <laughs> the other time I'm annoyed and they call him father. <laughs> <laughs> That's a better one. I like that better. Yeah, I don't don't know. I mean, it would certainly be awkward. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I I think it would bother me, I guess. There'd be awkwardness if if one of you two was dating my mom. But at the same time, I know you two are really good guys. And so I don't think either of you would do anything to hurt my mom. I'll put it that way. Well, back at you, yeah. So, So I guess in that... I'll put it a different way. If my mom was on the dating scene, like, mm. and she was dating guys, yeah. and one of you two ended up being the person she dated, I'd be okay with it overall. Mm-hmm. I'd well, be okay with case, it, but it'd be think, awkward. Uh, so, Chewie, isn't Chewie quite a bit older than Roland? At least a little bit, a little bit older? Yeah. Yeah, probably, I mean, probably somewhere years. in between the two, I would yeah. guess. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, so, I guess along these same lines, okay, your mom reaches out to you mm-hmm. and says, hey... You know, I'm single and ready to mingle, mm. you know. As far as Brit and Ski go, you know, you mind if I tap that? <laughs> what What would you tell her? I would say yes. I would mind. You it, would it, mind? Yeah. If, if you two got together in some sort of an organic way, sure. But I would not want either of you to be my mom's booty call. I'll say that. Like, I don't want. What's she doing Friday night? Yeah. Like, that would bother me a lot more. If you two were, if one of you were in a relationship, you're like, yeah, you know. I remember I helped your mom, you guys move, and then you had to leave, and your mom and I, we were just talking for a long time, and we just really hit it off. We have a lot in common, and <laughs> we both love you, of course, um, and so, you know, just one thing led to the other, and we're seeing each other now. Like, I'd be okay with that, you know, More again, pa- yeah, yeah past that. the weirdness, but if you were just like, oh, yeah, you know, I stopped by and hit that, and then, you know, I had to go <laughs> go back home, like, oh, yeah, if you're like, yeah, Nicole, no, she's cool with it, you know, like, that would bother me a lot more, because I would just feel like that's not, I mean, even if my mom was the initiator, it'd be like, either you're not respecting my mom, or you're not respecting me, because if it's... Maybe a little bit nothing of nothing bad has happened, she's just asked you for permission. Yeah, I mean, to... But if she's asked me specifically for permission just to have a casual, you know, sexual relationship it's, it's with one of you, I would be like, yeah, I'd rather you not. I mean, I think that you can find, you know, listen, there are plenty of guys who are my age who are fine with an older woman. Have you checked can out you Bumble, find, Mom? Yeah, find one that's not that one of my thing? best friends. It is a thing, apparently. I don't really know much about it. It's not a dating app. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'd just be like, find somebody who's not one of my best friends mm-hmm. um, to, to do that with. And like I said, and then if on your end, if my mom was like, hey, you know, I was just wondering if we could have a casual relationship, yeah. you know, friends with benefits, or we yeah. don't even have to be friends, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then I'd be like, yeah, you should have said Hate no. Like, I, th- I think if she comes to you, and she was like, you know, I'm single, ready to mingle, mm-hmm. you know, how would you feel if I, I think then you should be like, I'm going to need a minute, okay? <laughs> and then you go through and you make a list of absolutely everybody you know, mm-hmm. okay? And you've got them in one of two columns, mm-hmm. <laughs> either an acceptable column or an unacceptable, unacceptable mm-hmm. column. Mm-hmm. You're like, you may do whatever you want with column A, but mm-hmm. stay away from column B. And then would we be in column B, like the don't touch? I mean, it depends. If your input made that difference, yeah. I know less people than you might think. Um, <laughs> I think that if you listed like every male and female coworker you've ever had, 
you know? I mean, if I could remember all of them, then that'd be one thing. Yeah. But as far as, like, because it'd have to be, like... <laughs> Dean Weiser. I'd basically <laughs> have... Gerald Mayfield. Yeah, like, oh, what about, uh, you know, Gordon? <laughs> like, uh-huh. would he be... Um, but, yeah, if I were to go... Th- if I had the information for all those people, then sure. I yeah. think at best I could go through my phone yeah. and be like, here are all the numbers that I have yeah. on my phone. These are the people I'm okay with you reaching mm-hmm. out to, and these are the ones I'm not. Yeah. I mean, again, it depends. Like, if it's like, okay, I am looking to date somebody, and all these people are single and eligible on mm-hmm. this list. So, yeah. taking out the, you know, implications of just to be in a sexual relationship or, um, mm-hmm. you know, so it was just purely like, yeah, I'd like to date one of these people and see where it goes. <laughs> okay. Then I feel like I would leave you guys on the list because you two are still better than just about anybody else I know. <laughs> and okay. so there's that aspect of it. But if it was purely like that my mom just wanted to have a sexual relationship, I would be like, yeah, I'd leave them off the list there <laughs> in column B. Gotcha. <laughs> so if it's a real relationship she's looking for or just like dating to see where it goes, uh-huh. you guys are in column A. If it's purely sexual, then you guys are in column B, (laughs) regardless of your marital statuses. Noted. (laughs) (laughs) All All right. right. Now we jump ahead, or backward, actually, in time to opening uh, in the kitchen. (laughs) Your demarcation lines so far are confusing me. I'm sorry. (laughs) It was like, I don't I would have considered that like three or four different scenes. The first one? Yeah. Well. Especially when they left. To go to the so track. generally speaking, for scenes when I like do my own demarcations, uh-huh. I uh, generally uh, if if it's a quick cut to another thing, mm-hmm. that's part of the same scene to me. Yeah, but if it fades when to it, black, yeah, it fades to black is when I cut it off. Gotcha. Okay. So when they get to the dog track, when you got to the dog track, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so was that the same one that uh, Dorothy had her gambling problem at? Like it the looked same exactly set? like it. Yeah. yeah, I looked a lot to it. I mean, they may have modified slightly or something. Yeah, like yeah. It. Put a picture of a dog on the wall or something. Yeah. But I, yeah. did, I, I recognize it from that, but yeah. I mean, I also didn't go back and watch that other one to compare. Yeah. Uh, we see Rose, Roland, and Blanche in the kitchen. Uh, Blanche is moving a tray of baked rolls. Mm-hmm. Rose is wiping off a prep table, mm-hmm. and Roland is reading from a clipboard while eating one of the rolls. He mm-hmm. just wiped from Blanche's tray. Yeah. And then leaning over also a table as Rose cleans it. Yeah. After every bite he takes, she wipes the surface again. Eventually, she realizes he's leaning over the uh, table just to annoy her. Mm-hmm. He takes the roll and heads upstairs. Meanwhile, Sophia... He... Uh, what okay. you say? He's going to say that. He wasn't cleaning up after himself. You know, he was a crumb bum. Crumb bum, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Is that the definition? Like, is that where crumb bum comes from? I think, think so. Like, Maybe there's someone who's dirty and leaves... Thing? You're not tidying up your own crumbs. <laughs> You're a crumb bum. Is that where crumb bum comes from? <laughs> I like that. Uh, he takes the roll and heads upstairs. Uh, meanwhile, Sophia walks into the room, and uh, Blanche passes on the unfortunate news that her friend Gladys Goldfine called, mm-hmm. uh, and she has broken her hip. We should do a food a food related podcast and be called the Crumb Bums. Mm. <laughs> That'd be a solid podcast yeah. name. I mean, still the quality would be low, but the yeah. name again, like yeah. we have a great name here for yeah. a mediocre podcast. <laughs> It'd be a, keeping in that tradition. I like that. I'd say kid, Crumb Bum is on the list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's obviously the first on the list because we don't have any other options currently. Right. I do have um, two food items that we can consume later, okay. one of which does feature crumbs. Okay, very nice. And I will promise not to clean up after myself. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, wipe, I'll wipe it off below. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> As I continue to. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. She says that uh, uh, Glass Gold finally called and she's broken her hip. Mm-hmm. Uh, the twist is that uh, she is now giving Sophia her tickets to attend The Price is Right. Sophia questions how uh, this is actually bad news. Blanche and Rose point out that it's clearly not great news for Gladys. <laughs> Sophia asserts that she lived dangerously. Or Sophia asserts that she lived dangerously and is paying the price. <laughs> uh, when Rose asks what she'd done to hurt herself, Blanche answers that she'd simply gotten out of bed. Yeah. Sophia then adds, "Everyone is a daredevil." Yeah, that was one of my favorite lines of the episode. <laughs> Blanche then points out uh, more unfortunate facts. Uh, the show date is in uh, two days, and it's in L.A. She asks how she uh, plans to get across the country in that short of a time and adds that getting uh, chosen to appear is not even a guarantee. Sophia tells her that she has a plan and a hostage. <laughs> she quickly moves to put Rose in a semi-chokehold. Rose laughs it off, and Blanche tells Sophia that uh, she's lousy at prices right anyway and asks if uh, she has any idea, any idea how expensive a round-trip uh, ticket to California with two days' notice would be. Sophia replies, $40, Bob. Price is wrong, B. <laughs> Blanche finally states the unlikely or the likely truth that she won't be going. Sophia again seems adamant that she will work it out. Blanche tells her good luck, and Rose says break a leg. To the broken leg option, Sophia assigns a value of three hundred dollars, <laughs> which I think has been established previously. Yeah, that sounds oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, if you get your leg broken by someone else, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there was a well. I, one thing I just should, should mention, Bren gave me a little bit of a cross look here a moment ago because <laughs> as he was looking on the floor, he was like, Alan's foot seems to be in an odd position. And then he was looking back and forth and realized that I have taken my shoes off mm-hmm. um, without asking permission, I guess. Making Although, himself at home. He's like, yeah. oh, I always record these things sans <laughs> pants. <laughs> I've got jeans, so at least they're not in my comfortable pants. But, um, but it, well, we're at a somewhat awkward angle where mm-hmm. we're sitting at. And so it's like my... Just the way that my legs are bent, it mm-hmm. was causing my feet to fall asleep without gotcha. my shoes on, so okay. I needed to take them off. I had not intended to, okay. but I was like, this is going to be an unpleasant mm-hmm. situation for three episodes yeah. worth if I don't. <laughs> so, And these are almost brand new shoes, so they don't okay. have any odor to okay. add to the room, I don't think. Well, also, not a whole lot of give. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I did give consideration to, you know, actually like wearing my pajamas while we record, just ah. to like go full Allen. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I am a man of comfort, yeah. that's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, in that scene, I definitely did love the everyone's a daredevil. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that reminds me, one of my favorite personal jokes that I like to say is, you know, when I'll get hurt doing, you know, we're, we're getting into that age where sometimes you will end up having a pain that comes mm-hmm. from doing almost nothing. Yeah, just yeah. something. Wrong or... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like reaching too far for something. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I told a while back, like my shoulder was sore and I was like yeah I stretched and uh, stretching's a young man's game <laughs> that's funny <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> um, but yeah so I, I really like I that like, that's a good line so thank you um, I think that may be my favorite line of the episode so far <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I think that's all I have to add for that so Brendan Joe did you have more to add? <laughs> I had something I was going to say, but then I was like, no, that's, it's like, I don't know, half step away from like a humble brag or something uh, like that. So I'm going to just keep it to myself. <laughs> you can humble brag. Uh, you don't even have to be humble about it. Just yeah. make a, a full on brag. Yeah. Um, no, I'm okay. 
<laughs> did you guys like the? Uh, I the did. Palace Fiction thing. Did I you did. see that? I I did notice it. I didn't know if Brent was the one who put it up there, or if you were. But then when I heard your Pulp Fiction um, related parts, yeah, we'll try to. I've got a digital copy. I was going to give you to put on the on the website. Yeah, definitely do so. Yeah, I'd love to put it up there on the Facebook. Uh, not today, you know, but at some point, um, I have something you guys that I created. Oh yeah. And I was like, okay, this is not as good as your logo that you've done, but I think it's a respectable second place. Okay, but now it's a respectable third place <laughs> because of your, your palace fiction thing. Yeah, and it, well, so maybe case, even a distant third. I don't know if we described this well enough, and like I said, I will put a picture of this up. Hopefully, with this episode, yeah. I'll remember. But um, <laughs> it says uh, palace fiction, and it has kind of the classic scene where uh, Julian and um, Jules. Jules and What's uh Vincent? Thank Vincent, you. thank you. Are are standing there with their Vincent, guns pulled in uh in Pulp Fiction, but in place of their heads are Blanche and Rose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's really solid. So hopefully I'll get that posted so you can see it yourself. I can give you the original one too. It looks much worse before I uh, put it in the black and white. Because <laughs> I was like ah, because uh, of course you got stitched together. The yeah, uh, yeah. coloration was all different from the uh, Golden Girls heads oh, sure, yeah. to like the actual old, because they kind of a lot of film grain yeah. in the uh, in the Pulp Fiction stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure by design even. But uh, I was like, well, I, let me mix around with the uh, filters a bit. And when it came out like this, I was like, that's it. I'm yeah, gonna, mm-hmm. it, yeah it looks really good. And so. I stole the uh, logo generator thing from a um, website that does different uh, uh, movie fonts. Mm. Nice. It gives a little preview. I just stole it. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, and I'm sure it this would... It gives you the re- option to buy the font. I didn't uh, do that. <laughs> I doubt this would relate to any episode, especially since we have so few left at this <laughs> point, but perhaps you can do, um, along these same lines, you could do a uh, Reservoir Dogs with the uh, four Golden Girls heads plus Stan. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun, yeah. actually. Yeah. Anyways, we'll see. But this one is, is well done, so I'll definitely try to get it posted out there. Well, I'm glad you guys like it. Right. Scene five. Okay. Blanche and Sophia enter the kitchen through the back entry as Rose comes back down the stairs <laughs> and places her bag of doggy treats on the counter. Mm-hmm. She asks them why they're back so soon. Blanche exclaims that she won't believe what uh, just happened at the track. Rose nervously laughs and says, Get out of here! Mm-hmm. Blanche flashes a confused look at her uh, reaction uh, and says that she hasn't even explained yet. Mm-hmm. Rose tries to cover the, uh, by telling her that she was speaking to the devil mm-hmm. to get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, I like that line as well. I did too. I really <laughs> like that line a lot. Blanche tells her about Mr. Sardisso's dog being stolen directly prior to the race. Rose acts like she's uh, surprised. Then Sophia sees the, de- the the bag of doggy treats mm-hmm. and reaches in. She says that she loves this trail mix. Yeah. And it's just like the snack they served at Shady Pines. Yeah, another solid line. Yeah. She even adds, whew, that's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roland pokes his face into the kitchen and asks if uh, Chewie is around. Blanche says that she hasn't seen him. Rose asks if they had a little tiff. Roland contests that he's a grown man and they don't have tiffs. They fight. Mm-hmm. Blanche is clearly interested at this point and asks, who threw the first punch? After quickly analyzing her question versus reality, yeah. Roland re, uh, recants and tells him that they simply had a tiff. Yeah. Uh, Blanche then uh, tells Rose to grab some cheesecake while she walks Roland over to the table and asking him to explain the situation. He tells him that Chewie and his mom have been seeing one another. Blanche thinks this is a good thing. Uh, Rose begins to say that if Chewie marries Roland's mom, that would make Roland, and he finishes, uh, he kind of cuts her off saying, a convicted killer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Lance believes that uh, one of the reasons Roland is upset is that no one, uh, no matter how old you are, we all have a hard time uh, seeing our parents as, quote, sexual beings. Mm-hmm. Rose uh, begins to agree with Blanche before loudly protesting, not her parents. Blanche agrees with her friend to calm her down. <laughs> well, Rose was adopted, so she can true. believe that. <laughs> She's got yeah. several parents. Right? That's true, yeah. Uh, she quietly says that after having Rose, they probably didn't want to take another chance with repeat. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that being the case, mm-hmm. once they you know, had her, they wouldn't even know how she turned out. So yeah. why would they? Was was it the priest? Did we find out? One yeah, of that was, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was her biological father. I'm just saying, like her adopted parents, she probably didn't think they were sexual beings <laughs> because right. they didn't even have to procreate. That's to get her. right. Yeah, that's right. Um, Roland tells the girls that uh, he's just worried about his mother, saying that she's an older woman, practically fifty. Mm-hmm. The last comment catches all of their attention. Roland again thinks about his audience and acknowledges how awful that must have hurt, sounded to the girls. Yeah, but the episode's already established that 50 is the new 7. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blanche points out that despite her divorce, his mother, mother is out there enjoying life instead of being miserable. Uh, Rose adds that if Chewie makes her happy, that's all that should matter. Mm-hmm. Roland tells him that he's going to take a walk and think. Uh, before he leaves, though, Sophia tells him that, you know, hey, things could be worse. His mother could start dating Chewie. <laughs> mm-hmm. She starts laughing, but no one else is laughing with her. She then kind of yeah. like quietly states that she drifted off during the conversation. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you reading that? That I'm gonna redo. I'm not gonna like actually re-record it, but uh-huh. I'm gonna say my opening line again the yeah. way I should have said it. That's her. Because I forgot it, but I should have said. If Ski should marry his mom, that would make him a convicted killer. Mm-hmm. Brent. Yes. That, that's how that should have gone. I think I, I said, I introduced Ski after that line, and I was like, that doesn't really make sense yeah. in what I'm even saying now, and now I get it, because I forgot the context <laughs> of the line in the episode. Yeah, exactly. It was like, Ski was marrying his own mother, yeah. and then going to kill her. <laughs> Which is myself. way darker than the episode. <laughs> right. Mom, I love you. I love you. <laughs> I mean, I... I could I could see it like I could see that if not that I could see Skeet marrying or killing his own mother, but <laughs> if somebody was at that level, I could see them being crazy enough to both marry and kill their own mother. Mm-hmm. Like if you're crazy enough to marry your own mom, you'd yeah. be crazy enough to kill her also. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, in that weird way, it could make some sense. But like you said, far darker than what the episode would have <laughs> <Exactly>. indicated. <laughs> so uh, at least I'm glad now that I know why I thought that was a decent line yeah. to begin with. You know, I'd like to think. That, so, you said your mother is single currently. Yes. Okay, like say unbeknownst to you, you know she's she has been seeing a fella, you know, and things are getting serious, and he's ready to propose marriage and everything like that, you know. And she's like, you know, hey, I need to introduce be, you to my. Yeah, I'd be worried that if they're that far along, and it was unbeknownst to me at this point. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, here, if this guy is smart, okay. And he wants to marry your mom, okay? Uh-huh. Well, I think what he should do is just, you know, pose as a hitchhiker, you know, and then just walk <laughs> along the road, and then you would stop and pick him up. It's like, hey, buddy, can I give you a ride? And he's like, not only do I need a ride, I also need an older lady to marry. And you would be like, oh, I've got one of those, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> good Samaritan that you are. <laughs> I need you to help me move. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> y'all. I actually know my mom has an extra room. Exactly. <laughs> so, Skeet, do you think, okay, what would bother you more, all right, if you found out 
that your mom um, was uh, having regular casual relationships with multiple you know, oh. suitors. Okay. Okay. So like she was really spreading it around. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm already a little upset by it. Right, okay, so that's option one. Or option two, that your mom and your dad had made a, like, released, like, not mm. just, like, made for their own consumption, but made and released into the world a hardcore yeah. porno um, uh-huh. that was out there. Like, you, and you found it, like, online, and it was available for anybody to see. Uh-huh. So which which of those would bother you more? Just knowing that your mom and dad's love was out there for everyone to see uh-huh. or knowing that your mom was privately you know having lots of uh, sexual encounters honestly i think the second one i think the the one where uh she's like spreading it around oh, okay i would hope she'd be more uh discriminating discriminating yeah, yeah. or careful in yeah. this day and age mm, okay. well, pro-discrimination so i can see why you would take that position <laughs> how would how would you feel if um all right so it is it is the alternate route okay it's it's hardcore pornography and you're like, Mom, you know, how, how could you do this? And she was like, well, your, your father and I needed the money. No, I mean, why would you use that lighting? That's horrible. <laughs> yeah. so, that camera angle's all wrong. So, so she tells you that, you know, it was because, you know, they needed the money. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, you know, I, I can see maybe how. I would explain, you know, that's why me and Nikki did ours. <laughs> exactly but in your case you know it was simply because you couldn't afford the four slice toaster and that's the one you really wanted <laughs> like you had enough money in the savings for the two slice toaster but that's not living yeah <laughs> what are we floppers honey I've got a plan we're buying that four slice is yours just, just listen up here's here's the idea yeah <laughs> I forget where I was going with that, but the four slice toaster was that the better was, destination. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I just like the idea too of like that his parents when they made this for, for their four slice toaster. Um, they did it for or me and Nicole did. Okay, well, well, let's say it's you and Nicole, <laughs> yeah. but in this case, I, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to. I know that you Flip and Nicole was the joke, but I'm going to mm-hmm. say that it was your parents. But they did it when they were like 50 years old. To where you're like, Mom, you have a really good job. And I realize that Dad spins a little bit crazily, but if you really wanted that four-slice toaster, I'm doing okay. I would have been able to. And she was like, well, yeah. I just don't think it's uh, right for me to rely on my son to yeah. supply my toasting needs. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to think it's a situation where... Um, both pornos happened unbeknownst to the other couple. But mm. still but still got sold on the same site next to one another. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> the way you both found out is you happened to be at Cirilla's and saw the two-pack. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea that they're there together. They both happen to look at it and then they look up and Aww. see each other and then they have, like, that sitcom kind exactly. of... <laughs> exactly. Then he pulls out his Mentos and... <laughs> Well, they, they, oh no, the the four slice toasters were gifts for each other. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Mom really wants that four slice toaster. Uh What are we going to (laughs) do? There's only one option. Uh And my mom's like, they want the four slice toaster, Uh but, you know, we just had to pay the mortgage, you know? But my toaster can only hold three slices. <laughs> Is that a veiled joke? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah. They... You have a three-slice toaster? 
No, I was just talking about the three love holes. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Gotcha. So, yeah. You're creative. Uh, There's so many more. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think it's a situation where, you know, they did the pornography in order to purchase a four-slice toaster. Um for you and your wife, okay? But you and your wife sold your loaf of bread in order to buy the VC VHS tape to make your own porn. <laughs> like, like it's an O. Henry type thing. Right, yeah. <laughs> Real gift to the magi. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that was our last friend. Exactly. <laughs> Yes, exactly. indeed. You guys want to see it later? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Do you think you'd want to watch? No. Uh, no. <laughs> no. So I can. The one thing about if my mom and dad had made a porn, mm -hmm. like I'd be pretty confident that the viewership would not be overly high. <laughs> I don't know. I love my parents, but I don't think there's a as big a market for that. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it would have been like a bestseller, but still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, well, well, so not well, winning any awards. The, the concern is always right that it's going to be viewed by someone that you would be very embarrassed by. Right, right yeah. yeah. I'm saying I think that would be less of a concern in this case. Yeah, just because the distribution would be pretty narrow. I would think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, well, just edging out the uh, um, Paris Hilton tape is... Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna you know return to the social media and you know like help me get five thousand views for. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe, folks. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Wow, that would be a good site that you could start up. Like, uh, yeah, kind, kind of. Going. Well, you know, like there's you know the. Um, you know, like your different OnlyFans and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff that, you know, have become those things. Mm -hmm. What about GoPornMe, where it's mm. like, a, you know, it's like a GoFundMe type site, but where you're <laughs> funding people to make porn. Exactly. <laughs> Call it Pro Boner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> different membership tiers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like if you donate X amount of dollars, you get mm -hmm. whatever. I won't go any further because yeah. it can only go in bad places. But <laughs> all right, uh, scene eight. All right, and this is a three of eight. Well, this is the fourth like, one that he's done. Out okay, of this, this, is the this will one. be the final okay. like scene of the show. Right, but God, I just didn't know like how far through the recap we were. Okay. So we're, we'll be at the halfway point after this one. Yes. Yep. Uh, the girls are in the lobby again watching TV. Sophia tells them that she just can't watch. Blanche tries to consider her friends. Uh, uh, console her friend for missing the live taping. While we hear the announcer for the Price is Right mm. call, Sophia Petrillo, come on down! <laughs> yeah. Two contestants row, of course. I think that was, was that actually the guy? Yeah. That has the yeah. voice? Yep. I can hear Bob Barker. Yeah, both of, yeah, both the voices are oh, the nice. actual ones. Blanche and Rose are in awe that their friend was chosen. Sophia talks to the TV saying, I'm here, Bob. Uh, we hear Bob Barker comment that uh, a contestant has failed, has not Hasn't failed to attend in 20 years. Mm -hmm. Sophia turns to leave the room, and Blanche again tries to comfort her friend by adding that you know, the prizes are usually no good. Of course, we didn't hear the announcer say that the item is a giant screen TV. Mm -hmm. Before exiting, Sophia comments that it's not her day. Uh, she could have uh, won a $3,250 TV set. Distraught, she shuffles away. We hear Bob announce that the TV 
was the exact price Sophia just quoted. Blanche and Rose look at one another again in disbelief. Blanche says, why tell her? <laughs> and exits. Then Mr. Sardisco arrives back and uh, Rose asks him how Darling Flo did. He replies that she ran a good race, but came in fifth. Rose's face winces in heartache. She asks him if she, can, if she could take the dog. He asks if uh, it's a preposterous idea. Having the dog around, run around the hotel, she explains that she loved that, but uh, she had found a National Greyhound Adoption Program, which kind of plays into what you guys are talking about. Right, yeah. Uh, it was yeah. something she was near and, to, near and dear to Betty White's heart. Probably. Yeah. I'm surprised she didn't read off the telephone number. Right. <laughs> and that uh, she'll keep uh, her until they can find her a permanent home. She tells her that it, he tells her that it's not that simple, that there aren't, just aren't enough homes for the dogs once they retire. She uses this as a justification, or he uses this as a justification for killing so many race dogs. Rose still isn't buying his load of, excuse my French, horse shit excuse. <laughs> she suggests that they not breed so many puppies to begin with and spread the word about uh, what good pets they make. He agrees that, uh, and that she may take the dog. She is relieved, but asks as a final request if he can do anything about the rental binoculars at the racetrack, stating that for five dollars everything just looks smaller. Yeah. And then that's where the episode ends. But uh, not our episode, folks. <laughs> so if that would have ended up being like the the final <clears throat> moment for all of the Golden Girls or whatever, uh-huh. like how disappointed would you have been? Well, that would have actually been episode twenty, if you went in all uh, chronological order. Mm, okay. So everything, like, for whatever reason, episode 19, mm-hmm. uh, like, like episode, what, which was 19, got bumped to 24. Mm-hmm. So all the other ones are still in order yeah. chronologically mm-hmm. for air date. But the one that we just were discussing. Oh, yeah, it would have been pretty disappointing. Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, that's it? All right. Yeah, exactly. Which, no wonder it's make... not coming back. <laughs> right? See, I guess when we get to episode 23, that would have been the one originally intended to be the series or season finale. Yeah. Um, so. See how it, and, I do. Well, yeah. I will say that it's, if I'm, again, it's been a while, I've not rewatched those last three, but it would have been comparable to them ending Golden Girls with just their heads on the table. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> like it's a couple moments, like I almost wish they just would have gone this route yeah. and got rid of the button scene or whatever. <laughs> it made that the final moment. All right, we jump to episode, or scene six. Okay. The girls are sitting in the lobby. Rose is reading a magazine on the couch. Sophia is looking at a small uh, viewfinder and talking about how a child cereal toy shows a fully naked man. Right. Blanche is impatiently waiting her turn to see the viewfinder, too. Sophia <clears throat> finally hands it over, and Blanche takes a peep. She quickly and disgruntledly announces that uh, the viewfinder does not show a picture of a naked man, but the stupid pelican from the Fruity Poop Pop cereal. Mm-hmm, yeah. I assume that she's uh, skirting the trademark Toucan Sam from Fruit Loops. She uh, hands it back to Sophia who agrees that, you know, what she sees with her good, that's what she sees with her good eye. With this other eye, wowie wow. Mm-hmm. Just then, Mr. Sardisco enters the hotel in a huff. Blanche asks him if he's found out who stole his dog. He says he has and walks over pointing to Rose, indicating it was her. Rose claims not to know what he's talking about. And he tells her to cut the dub act. Sophia immediately uh, reassures him that's no act. Yeah. I think that was maybe my favorite line. Mm-hmm. He tells her that the girls, uh, she t- he tells her that the girls, that she knew that it would happen to the dog if she lost, and that one of the trainers told him a blonde was walking around the train room. Again, Sophia pipes up, reassuring him that she's no blonde. Yeah. Blanche supports uh, Rose, saying that she believes her, 
and would stake her reputation on it. A dog is then heard barking, and uh, Blanche mutters that, uh, no real big loss. Yeah. <laughs> that that her reputation. That actually pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Darlene Flo walks down the stairs, still donning her spots. Rose exclaims, uh, look, it's Spot, the dieting fire dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rose pulls the dog to the side and begins to pet her again. Blanche asks Charlie if he'll be pressing charges. He says no, but that he simply wants his dog back. He continues saying that Rose uh, thought she was doing the right thing, but she doesn't understand the sport. Rose disagrees wholeheartedly. She tells him that uh, the sport stinks. Lance tries to calm her friend, but Rose explains that the Humane Society statistics claim that the sport kills 50,000 greyhounds each year. If a dog loses a handful of races, they consider it useless and they kill it. Lance looks dumbfounded. Mr. Sardisco retorts that he and his friends take good care of their dogs. She uses Sophia as uh, an example, or Rose does. She can't work as hard as she once could. It costs money to feed and clothe her. Maybe uh, maybe they just ought to put her down, too. Sophia stands up and loudly tells him, Tell him, Rose. She then turns to Blanche and confirms that Rose is only trying to make a point, though. Yeah. I like that. She was like, she supports her, but she's like, and just to be sure, though, she's just trying to make a point here, right? (laughs) She's not trying to actually suggest. (laughs) Charlie gives up talking to her, supposing that she is just one of those people. Uh, Rose says that if those people object to killing 50,000 innocent dogs over a stupid sport, indeed she is. He takes the leash and tells him that uh, the dog has entered the race for the following day. He asks Blanche if she'd like to come, but she crosses her arms and sternly states that she is also one of those people. He turns to Sophia, saying that you know, the dog has a good chance. Uh, Sophia tells him never, and that uh, she doesn't want to appear on the prices right that badly. He turns and leaves. Rose implores Blanche to stop him, but she understands uh, her concerns, but uh, reminds her that it is his dog. I appreciate you not having, I appreciated you not having, you know, Mr. Sardonicus walk in asking who let the dogs out. <laughs> <laughs> Your restraint is appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, him not, you know, barking out those woof, 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 woofs, <laughs> um, I'm sure that our listeners appreciate also. <laughs> I certainly do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. It's one of those things that, obviously, that dog in the, in the episode, you know, he's probably been dead for 20 years now. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a she. Darling no. Flo. Yeah. Oh, but it was that a female dog that the cast also? I'm, I have no idea, I guess. No. I would have to think, because, I mean, they wouldn't want to have a scene. I don't know, not that they're that worried about continuity, although they've done pretty well since the earlier days. Yeah. Um, but I doubt they'd also want to have a dog's red rocket showing or anything uh, while they were. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I assume that the 50,000 number is accurate. You know, yeah. It seems like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure they pulled that off of the internet. Yes. <laughs> like that. So, um, so if 50,000 greyhounds were killed, how many vests do you think you can make? Oh, man, so many. Uh, <laughs> and full size. I mean, they aren't even puppies here. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're full-grown greyhounds, so yeah. Um, I mean, I would have to think, if it takes, you know, what was it, uh, 12 to make a vest? <laughs> <Can you> tell, <laughs> yep. So, you know, let's just say, I mean, that'd be like, Less well, and these are adults, so you'd be talking five hundred at least, yeah. um, or five thousand, excuse me, at least. Yeah. But probably more than that. I mean, we're probably talking seventy five hundred. Yeah. You know, something like that. A lot of us. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that I, I wish I looked up after the fact is if uh, that number is down now. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, if, yeah. If maybe, you know, Betty White made a big difference or something. I mean, I would think it'd be down just because, like, I don't really hear about dog racing hardly yeah. at all. Like, yeah, I, I think, think people in general have just kind of gone away. away. Yeah, I don't think it was ever the national pastime. Right. But it's definitely dropped off, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, if Michael Vick's going to go to jail just for, you know, fighting a few dogs, then... Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is funny, like, not that's not funny at all, but the... Uh, you know, I have lots of different themed Christmas trees at my house, mm-hmm. and one of them is a sports tree, um, sports themed tree, uh-huh. and one of those ornaments is a Michael Vick ornament. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I got it prior to him ever doing that. Yeah. And now there's like just a certain like, I don't know. Every year well, now he's the, the tree topper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, every year when I put him there near the bottom of the tree, I always just kind what? of chuckle to myself of like, yeah, you know, this guy's a convicted felon and a terrible would, person. Well, I mean, would you have a bald spot on the tree if you just threw that ornament away? I'd have a bald spot in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's just part of me that I, I, there's part, not that I like, there's just a funniness to me. There's a humor to mm. me that it's there. The money's already spent. Like, would I go out and buy a Michael Vick ornament today and gotcha. support them? Yeah. No. But I bought it prior to any of that being yeah. a situation. I mean, it's probably a gift or yeah. probably something I got on clearance for that <laughs> matter. So at this point, you know, it's like there is no benefit to me throwing it out. There's no, um, you know, and nobody is benefiting from me keeping it, gotcha. um, so to speak. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's just a part of me that I think, you know, there's a few players on that tree where I'm like, how did this guy get an ornament? Because they're not, you know, <laughs> yeah. they had a, maybe a flash in the pan, kind of one good season. And then there's him, yeah. who, you know, was a legitimately really good player, but, you know, who not is really a, also person, yeah. Yeah, a bad person, convicted felon. Um, yeah. I wouldn't have him on my main family tree, that's for sure. Okay. Um, or my superhero tree. Gotcha. But <laughs> but being on the back bottom of a sports tree, I feel all right about. Gotcha. Just Would, the humor each year, putting them on there. Gotcha. Would you put them on your Disney tree next to one of the 101 Dalmatians? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if there was a 101 Dalmatian um, ornament that showed, you know, like when one of the parent dogs were, you know, vicious, you know, like <laughs> trying, like, you know, like their teeth snarled and whatnot, yeah. then sure. Okay. <laughs> And not like one of the puppies trying to put his hands on the TV screen. <laughs> gotcha. But anyway. All right. Skeet. And on the screen is Michael Vick's face. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can make it all customized. But... Mm-hmm. Scene three. Uh, in the kitchen, Rose enters and interrupts Sophia. She's counting multiple cases of prescription pills. Mm-hmm. She tells Rose that she'll have to start over. But then pull, then uh, down the pill saying that she'll either be up all night or they'll see her on Thursday. <laughs> I really like that line. <laughs> yeah. Rose tells her that she's been ha- hanging out with darling Flo, but Sophia tells her to leave that poor dog alone so she can rest up and be fresh for the race the next day. Mm-hmm. Sophia continues uh, saying that she hopes to uh, win enough money to get a handful of Bob Barker. Roland then enters from the bank from the back. That sounds bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rose is surprised that she's home so early, or that he's home so early. He asks uh, why they're all still awake. Sophia informs him that it's only 8.30. Mm-hmm. Rose asks if uh, he and Camille, quote, hit it off. Sophia explains again that it's 8.30. Uh, Roland brushes off the fact that he's home a bit early, claiming that they still had a good time. Before heading upstairs, uh, he thanks Rose for hanging out with his mom while he was out, but she informs him that his mother had actually been hanging out with Chewy since lunch earlier that day. Mm-hmm. Roland seems disconcerted at the fact that his mom spent the whole day with his, or that his mom spent the whole day with, uh, Chewy. Sorry, I lost my point on my page. <laughs> we lost our point a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be annoyed if Alan re-edits it so it's in chronological order? 
I would never know, right? <laughs> right, yeah, that's true. Roland, sorry, Roland seems disconcerted at the fact that his mom spent the whole day with Chewie. Um, and now it's too late. To which Sophia again reminds him that it's only 8.30. Mm-hmm. Some went down trodden. Uh, Roland lumbers back in the dining room. Uh, just as his mom arrives back with Chewie, he puts on an awkward show and comments on uh, how just saying mom and Chewie or Chewie and mom doesn't sound right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As if they uh, just don't belong together. He casually asks uh, where they went, but then becomes more serious. His mom tells him that Chewie took her to uh, the mall, and they had lunch, and they went driving and talking. Correct. You have something? No, I just agreeing. You got something to say? (laughs) (laughs) Chewie admits that they uh, lost track of time, but it's not really even that late. That uh, leads him to ask why he's uh, already back from his date. Mm -hmm. Roland continues that it's not that early. Mm -hmm. As he uh, looks uh, at his watch, we hear Sophia from the kitchen holler, It's 8.30! Uh, he tells them that uh, they had, had fun, but by the end of the date, uh, she had something nasty on her arm. Another guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells him his mom that uh, while things didn't work out with Camille, he's now free to spend the day with her. Mm-hmm. She tells him that uh, Chewie had already made plans for her and uh, him at brunch at a beachside restaurant that makes blueberry pancakes. Mm-hmm. Confused by this, Roland asks why they don't just eat at the hotel and have pancakes there. Mm-hmm. Chewie tells him that he hates the pancakes at the Golden Palace, because he has to make them. All right. I think I have that listed as my favorite yeah. one. Yeah. Roland tells him that uh, to have fun, and adding that he'll stay there and have some Pop-Tarts. Yeah. Sophia enters and blurts out, Pop-Tarts, 149, Bob. <laughs> I didn't, um, I think it would have been like maybe two, three, I don't know, a handful of years before this episode aired, okay? Um Prince recorded some songs as Camille. Um, And so, like, basically, I recorded his vocals and then sped them up so he sounded like a girl. Uh. And that was Camille. (laughs) And I'd like to think that's who Roland was dating. Yeah. (laughs) Just a (laughs) prince in drag. (laughs) And that prince left him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) For a better fella. Right. (laughs) More his day in the time. (laughs) Ironically, he left him for Terrence Howard. (laughs) Yeah. And the rivalry began. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you think we would have wore a, ra- a raspberry beret? Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> if it was warm, wouldn't mm-hmm. wear much more. Yeah. Uh, scene two. In the lobby, Chewie is sitting on the couch reading a magazine, as they do a lot. Mm-hmm. Roland enters, and Chewie stands and tells him that his mom is there and looking for him. Okay. Roland tells him that they had plans to spend the day together. He says that uh, since his parents divorced, she's been lonely. Mm-hmm. He's glad that he could be there to support uh, her during this time. Yeah. Chewin pulls a uh, note from his pocket that Camille Jenkins had also called and that she is free tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roland quickly ditches the idea of hanging out with Mom <laughs> and to go out with Camille. He tells Chewie that he's been sending out a box of candy each week to bribe her for a date. Uh, Chewie asks what she looks like. Roland says that when he first met her, she was fine but realizes that if she's been eating all that candy, and then he realizes he may have inadvertently altered the level her level of fineness. Mm. At the check-in desk, Rose is uh, signing in a gray-haired gentleman, Mr. Sardisco. Blanche mm-hmm. rounds the corner and is immediately interested. Rose introduces them. Blanche tells Rose that she'll check him in and elbows her to scat. Uh, she uh, asks him if he's traveling alone, and he answers that his darling Flo is in the car. Mm-hmm. Blanche assumes that he's married and tells Rose to go ahead and finish checking him in. Mr. Stardisso clarifies, though, that Darling Flo is his greyhound dog. Mm-hmm. Blanche butts back in 
uh, to finish the check-in uh, process. He tells the girls that he'll be racing the dog at the track this coming Wednesday. Rose comments, wow, you must be fast. Yeah, I like that line, too. That, that was, was funny. Both the man and Blanche give a, a gentle eye roll. Rose asks if she can go uh, see the dog, but uh, Neri waits for her permission before she's already out the door. She adds how much she loves dogs and how affectionate and loving they are and smart. She tells them that they can even play cards. She's seen pictures. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think she says specifically poker, since yeah. that's one of the most famous. Uh... Yeah, I like that one. Mm. Rose exits, and Blanche uh, continues to flirt with uh, Mr. Sardisco, saying that she may uh, hit, him, hit him up the track on Wednesday and place a wager on his pooch. <laughs> <laughs> Just then, Sophia Anderson asks... <laughs> What the odds are for Darling, uh, what the odds on Darling Flow might be. I couldn't have done better myself. <laughs> <laughs> he tells her the dog hasn't performed well in uh, recent races, but it has been trained well. So probably around six to one. Sophia thinks aloud, sounds like a plane ticket to see, uh, t- sounds like a plane ticket to me. Sophia Petrillo, come on down. Mm. Mr. Sardisco reminds Sophia that just because he thinks she's a winner, uh, there's never a sure thing. Blanche laughs and politely disagrees with him. Yeah. <laughs> he smiles as though picking up on her uh, thinly veiled innuendo. She hands him a key and uh, heads back to the, uh, back out the door. Or he heads out the door. Roland's mom comes down the stairs asking if anyone has seen her son. Uh, he enters and greets his mother. She suggests that uh, they drive out to the marina for the day and then try a new Italian restaurant uh, for dinner that evening. He tells his mother that he won't be free in the evening as planned. The hotel is just too busy. Mm-hmm. The camera pans over and see uh, Blanche touching up her, her makeup and Sophia swatting and invisible bugs. Uh, she tells him that uh, she understands that he has to work. She then, uh, she'll then she just stay uh, in her hotel room and read. Mm-hmm. She sits down on the lobby couch, grabs a magazine, and tells Roland to have you know fun with Camille. Correct. He is surprised that she knew, but she informs him that she had been uh, helping arrange the date. She tells him that she's been seeing her candy every day of the week. From him, of course. Right. He shakes his head with more worry about her potential altered level of fineness. How many guests do you think Blanche has to sleep with before the Golden Palace is classified as a brothel? (laughs) (laughs) They are paying to be there, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it has to be a certain number in a certain amount of time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think if she's, you know... One a week, I think you could call it call it that. But I think she could do like ten in a week, and then not one for a month, and then you're okay. I so if it I, averages to thirty a month or four a week, four a month, uh, I feel like it still has to just be like I feel like if you just take a couple weeks off, then you get out of that classification again. Gotcha. <laughs> okay. If it's standard fare for, so, uh, so you reset the clock after five days. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> five business days. Exactly. The weekends don't count. Exactly. No, no sets sold for. The, you know, the little counter on the... Uh, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Six days since smooshed booties. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and lastly, scene seven. Later, Chewie and Roland's mother walk into the hotel. He asks Chewie if he's still mad at him. His mother interjects, saying that he's not the only one and chastises her son for being so rude to his friend. Roland admits that he was uh, being overly protective and tells Chewie that it's not specifically him, but that he would be upset by his mom dating anyone. Mm-hmm. Chewie asks if uh, he really means that, and Roland replies that they'd spent the whole day together and he's not freaking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then asks uh, where they went. His mother uh, tells him that they went over to 
the Mecca Hotel. She continues to talk, but Roland immediately jumps over the check-in desk and begins choking Chewie, <laughs> saying that he'll kill him. Side note, that is likely several crimes in a single act, possibly including battery or attempted murder. Yeah. I've got to think that holds a minimum sentence of jail time or steep fines, or steep prohibitive fines. <laughs> Roland's mom jumps in and prizes her. Uh, so, so is it... You feel that the fines are prohibitive? Is that what keeps you from like killing people? <laughs> the prohibitive fines. fines. Exactly. <laughs> like I can't afford that. Exactly. <laughs> probably stop some people. Exactly. I have to hawk my four slice toaster. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I did to get that. Exactly. <laughs> it's a good tie-in. It's a good tie-in. But yeah, Roland. Uh, she, Roland's mom uh, jumps in, fries her son off. Chewie finishing her statement that they went to a. Uh, Divorce support group meeting at the hotel. Yeah. Roland apologizes, pats Chewie on the head, even gives him a little kiss on his forehead. Yeah. He tells Chewie, oh, yeah, that's how you get that big vein to bulge out in your head. Uh-huh. His mother laughs at the uh, thought that she'd be attracted to Chewie. Roland and Chewie laugh as well, but then Chewie stops asking himself why he'd find that funny. Yeah. Chewie's like, I'm just a joke to you people. <laughs> he really <laughs> Much is. like he, Sophia. He is such he a sad sack. Is. You made a comment about that, I think, uh, yeah. in a recent episode yeah. about how. You know, just like everything about Chewie turned out to be a sad sack yeah, story. And once again, of yeah. Golden well, they don't have uh, Dorothy to pick on anymore as much. Yeah. So Chewie's the fall guy. Fair enough. But, uh, <clears throat> Roland turns to Chewie and asks why he never told him that he'd been attending the support group. Chewie tells him that he was afraid he'd just tease him about it. Roland contests that he, uh, he thinks it's great that he meets up with a bunch of crybabies to discuss their divorce based issues. Right. Issues. Again, Roland's mother uh, chides him on being cruel to his friend. Roland turns to Chewie and more sincerely apologizes, claiming that it was just a joke. He then turns to his mom and tells her that, you know, he can't picture her dating yet, and she agrees, saying that she isn't ready for that step either. Mm -hmm. But when the time comes, she can take care of herself. Mm -hmm. He says he'll uh, make an effort to adjust to the stage of her life and walks back behind the check-in desk. At that moment, a tall, nicely uh, dressed man walks into the hotel glances at Roland's mother and, and they trade hellos. Then he asks Roland for a room instead of obliging fairly normally. Uh, he blurts out, you're not my daddy. I'll mm-hmm. never call you daddy. Mm-hmm. And then storms to the back office hotel. Yeah. Yep. I think that would have honestly been a better end to the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but that. So that's it for our recap then at this point, correct? We, well, we have an epilogue. Oh, okay. The epilogue is just the post. That should have been number nine, but whatever. <laughs> should we well, spin would... for this one? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to keep the uh, post credit scene. Oh, okay. Kind of wraps up in the end. Sure. Okay. Roland is behind the check-in desk apologizing to a woman. Uh, she walks away and Rose enters the lobby from the office. He tells her that uh, the neighbors have issued another complaint. Mm-hmm. The newspaper was stolen. The flowers were trampled. And the woman's husband was knocked over and had his face licked. She says that, you know, it's her responsibility and she'll handle it. She walks into the dining area and hollers, Sophia, you're grounded! Mm-hmm. And then we end. Very nice. Yeah, I wish that uh, for your epilogue you would have been like, uh, said something like, you know, Roland is at the desk. Um, <laughs> uh, two men walk in and sit uh, sit in the lobby. Another man walks in with a gun and with his wife and says, be cool, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I said, bitch, be cool. That's, that's really good. Exactly. Blanche ends over her bad motherfucker. Wallet. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
So uh, did you also have a um, a story, or was that? Uh... I do. Okay, so we then... want to do that after our uh, ratings and stuff, like we usually do. Yeah, yeah, we'll keep it uh, keep it at least. Uh, I don't know. I guess if we're doing, we, we should have done our ratings first. Oh well, lost opportunity. Oh, yeah. um, spin for those. Yeah, that should have been number nine. We should have given in the middle of the episode done yeah. our ratings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Um, all right. So Brent, to uh, did your favorite line get mentioned? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I, there were two or three, and I'm blanking on them now. Um, there was when Sophia said, "You know, I'll either be up all night or I'll see you Thursday." Yeah, you know, I really like that line. Mm. Yeah, that was good. I liked it when Rose said, "Wow, you you must be fast yeah. for the guy racing greyhounds." Um, yeah. But yeah, there was definitely some good ones. Uh, so, Ski, uh, who got your MVP for this episode? I give it to Rose. She saved the dog. Yeah. Yeah, I went with Rose also. I mean, obviously, she was given all the heavy lifting as far as the dramatic parts yeah. as well, and she had a lot of good funny lines, so yeah. two for two as far as that goes. So, yeah, Rose got it for me. I'm giving it to Chewy. Okay. You know, he needs a win. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is at least the second, maybe third time you've given one to Chewy just because he needs a win. <laughs> you identify with that man, and I don't I know do. why. You're much more of a winner than you give yourself credit for. <laughs> you are not the Gil Gunderson of our group. <laughs> Respectfully oh, disagree. No. <laughs> Listen, in our group, I would say that I'm the fat Tony and you guys are the legs and Louie, so you're both fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, no, I, yeah, I'm exaggerating for me to come back. You know, I'm definitely not the, you know, the Gil Gunderson, but, but I'm not too far off from the Kirk Van Houten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might have been there before Helena anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll definitely say that uh, your prior wife, of course, I never met your first wife, but your prior wife definitely would qualify as a Luann. Mm, yes. <laughs> I think I've been fair, but anyways, all right. So how many slices of cheesecake for you, Ski? Uh, four and a half. Okay. That was a de- decent premise of the story, but it just didn't, I didn't laugh as much in this episode as I usually do. I don't know. I thought there was some pretty good comedy in it, and it, I like the message a lot. I, I don't like necessarily that. like the delivery of the message Correct. so well. It was a little, like you said, it was almost an infomercial-y type mm-hmm. of a thing, the way that it was delivered. Yeah. That said, I... Semi-preachy. Yeah. Um, I gave it a six. I thought it was good. Yeah. Could have been better if they were able to do that a little more, a little less in your face. Yeah. Like, you almost wonder if, like, when the episode originally aired, it was followed up with a commercial. Like, if you would like to learn more, call this number. Oh, yeah. I would almost... It seems very likely that at the end, you know, because a lot of times now when they have special episodes of a TV show, even at the very end, it'd just be like, oh, suicide hotline number or something <laughs> like that. I, I would yeah. be surprised, honestly, to find out that they didn't have something of that nature at the end of it. Yeah. Um, but how many slices for you, Brent? Oh, I thought about it, and I think I'm going to go ahead and give it seven. S- seven? Wow. wow. <laughs> 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 Do you want to stick with that seven? I am. Just gonna All right. <laughs> commit to the bit. Fair Chewy and the seven. <laughs> All right. So Chewy seven. Okay. All right. So Ski, uh, you have... Oh, wait, we did have some guest actors, too. I forgot about that. Did you, um, see list? Oh, never mind. Did you give a number? Yeah, six. Six, mm-hmm. gotcha. What, what did you give it, Ski? Four and a half. Okay. So your seven won't like bump it up into contention quite, yeah. you know, so... Yeah. You don't have to worry about if if yeah. that's a little inflated from your real feelings. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I would be. have gone with like four and a half, five, something like that. Well, we had uh, four, uh, five actually guest actors. Um, two of them, kind of, but uh, uh, Janet Dubois. Oh yeah, uh, she played uh, you know, Aunt Viv. Yes, <laughs> uh, Louise is that her name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Louise, uh, you know, 
Wilson, uh, Roland's mom. Mm-hmm. That was her second of two Golden Palaces. Uh, we also had a Daryl Keith Roll, I believe it is. Uh, he played Man Number One. Has uh, sixty-four titles for him. His only Golden. He did have an episode of Felicity, an episode of Seinfeld, five episodes of Dallas, three episodes of Benson, Cheers, um, and he played. Uh, he was Chuck in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Nice. So then we had a uh, Ken Kirchival. He played Charlie. 129 titles for him. He was the only golden, uh, or this was his only golden appearance. A lot of things uh, kind of prior to this, uh, Chips, um, Starsky and Hutch, Trapper John M.D., The Love mm-hmm. Boat. But he uh, mostly had 342 episodes of, on Dallas as Cliff Barnes. Mm. And then uh, we also had the voice of Bob Barker. Yeah. 173 titles for him. Of course, most of those, or almost all of those, I think, are as himself. Um, mm-hmm. And then... Uh, Probably my favorite performance of his, of course, is Happy Gilmore um, as himself. You know, yeah. Price is wrong, bitch. That's a good um, one. And then also Rod Roddy uh, was, <laughs> did his own voice as well. Yeah. And this was after he'd been rowdy, correct? Uh, was he, is it Rob? You're just making a joke, right? Yeah, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Okay, I'm just making sure. I, 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 I didn't know if you were correcting me because no. I, <laughs> I pronounced it wrong. I'm like, no. I think it's Roddy. And then, yeah. So it took me a moment. Sorry for my stunned <laughs> silence. <laughs> Did my research fail me? You're right. <laughs> Should I have gone to page two of the Google results? I was like, oh no, this is a, this is a you may be right, you may be crazy all over again. <laughs> God bless the Rolling Stones. Yeah. So, uh, so, Ski, you have a post, or not a post credit, what am I saying? A, a, a story from Dorothy? Yes, indeed. Uh, is that chronologically presented to us? Yeah, okay. Oh, okay. and then it just went up. It would make less sense, <laughs> but it is historical based. Okay. 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 Dorothy's Diary of History, Domestic and Abroad. Okay. The bell rings, and the students more or less settle down for class. Okay. After several months of substitute teaching periodically, life was reaching a level of comfort, familiarity, and normalcy for Dorothy and Lucas. So you think she attained a teaching certificate in the state of Georgia? I mean, I'm proposing that she did, yeah. Okay. <laughs> She was uh, really enjoying the fact that she could work when she liked, but then take off a few weeks if she wanted. Mm-hmm. Lucas enjoyed taking her on short day trips or extended weekends. She recently began subbing at a small school in, in Johns Creek, a suburb of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. True story. <laughs> it was named uh, Chattanooga Middle School, or Chattahoochee Middle School, mm-hmm. and was situated fairly close to the famous river of the same name. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that really exists. I just made it up. Oh, yeah. There's I mean, yeah, way down yonder on the Chattahoochee. No, yeah, the it gets school. hotter than a oh, hoochie coochie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Alan Jackson knows of what he speaks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he learned a lot about living and a little about love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and something about mustaches. Probably. <laughs> she had been teaching Mr. Tannen's U.S. history class for the past few days, and the class was fairly well behaved. They were starting a new chapter about colonial America, and she was a bit excited that she'd always enjoyed that period. She greets them with a good morning and asks them to open their books and follow along. Mm-hmm. She begins reading to the class with her classic, dramatic Dorothy Flair. The text explains that the British Crown was trying to legally and fairly impose taxes on the colonies to recoup the considerable financial losses still from, uh, felt from the French and Indian War, mm-hmm. which had only ended a few years prior. Mm-hmm. The colonists protested these taxes, named Acts, yeah. and defied them with a series of boycotts, vandalism, and negative propaganda, largely led by a disruptive group called the Sons of Liberty. Mm-hmm. One night, while assigned to guard a customs house, a single sentry became 
the target of harassment and attack. Roughly 50 people began hurling hard-packed snowballs and other projectiles at him. Captain Thomas Preston brought seven more soldiers to his aid mm -hmm. uh, to fend off the unruly crowd. The riot act had not been read, which details that soldiers may not fire their weapons until a mob has been duly informed and allowed to dissipate. So that's where that comes from. Yeah. Knowing this, however, the crowd grew emboldened, daring them to shoot. Within the chaos and confusion... Their noble spirit was embiggened. <laughs> with, the, with the chaos and confusion, the soldier was pelted and accidentally fired his musket. This, in turn, caused the other soldier to assume the order to fire was given, and likewise began to fire into the crowd. Three individuals were immediately killed, while mu multiple others were injured. The soldiers were ordered ba uh, back to their barracks in the hopes that further violence could be avoided. Uh, the following day, Preston and the soldiers were arrested. A town meeting led to a demand for a removal of all the troops from the Boston area. Multiple delays pushed uh, the soldiers' trial to September of that year. During that time, public discussions painted a very negative picture of the events and the soldiers, who were simply attempting to fulfill their duties. Ultimately, a group of law lawyers were assembled to defend the soldiers in court, including the future second president of the United States, uh, John Adams. It is widely believed that Adams had a strong conviction that people deserved a fair trial based on truth and justice. He could likely tell, based on the facts, that the soldiers were not entirely to blame, as they had reason to fear for their safety and well-being. At this point, Dorothy pauses and looks at the text book publishing information. She looks at, uh, looks at the class and informs them that their textbooks were released in 1905 by the British Royal Crown Publishing Company. <laughs> she also states that the passages she just read were largely skewed in perspective to make Britain appear more favorable. Mm -hmm. She says aloud to herself, I guess sometimes the losers do write the history books. <laughs> <laughs> she continues telling her students that uh, the colonists had ample reason to be upset by the increased taxation without representation. And while violence is not the best way to handle any conflict, mankind has not yet evolved enough to have snuffed it out entirely. Lastly, she gives a sliver of credit to the otherwise biased history book, uh, she cites that John Adams did, in fact, agree to defend the soldiers and was very likely driven to provide or pr yeah, provide them with a fair trial in the face of what we can assume was extremely angry and prejudiced townspeople. <laughs> Ultimately, Adams won an acquittal for all but two of the en enlisted men. The two men found guilty were given a reduced conviction of manslaughter. That's a paddling. <laughs> Despite the highly unfortunate string of events that led to the Boston Massacre, uh, Adams likely saw that there were very violent people on both sides, or at least that violence begat more violence. And that's the end of the story? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I feel like you're just, uh, so you're like, how can I top myself? La last time I did a story, Alan said it was the most boring story he'd ever read. <laughs> That's a challenge, challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, Richard mentioned uh, on our text chat that he was really excited about my uh, Boston Massacre deep dive, uh, and I felt that was a way to do it. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, well done, Ski. <laughs> exactly. I think we all learned a little something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot about living. A little, That's right. A little about war. <laughs> I only have one note for your that, story. Yes. Um, I think that... You know, uh, Mr. Han, was that his name? <coughs> the teacher? The original? It wasn't there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just made up a name. Irregardless. Mr. Tannen. Mr. Tannen, okay. okay. Like, like uh, um, Death. Death, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'd like, 
I think that you should have had like so Mr. Tannen's, you know, AP US history students show up one day and they have a substitute teacher who's wearing, you know, a, a sleeveless sweater vest, a 37-inch <laughs> collar, <laughs> a silk kimono, <laughs> just standard Dorothy attire. Right. <laughs> I think you should have covered all of that. Real, real in-depth about the... Uh, yeah. The, exactly. The exactly. And then the students are like, that's not how Mr. Tanner normally dresses. <laughs> Today must or, be a substitute teacher or day. Or they say it is. Yeah. That would have been great because it would have been a real throwback to the early days of our podcast. Because mm-hmm. I know in Ski's very early, maybe mm-hmm. his first recap or at least mm-hmm. his first couple, he would give these levels of detail mm-hmm. that were, you know, mm-hmm. like Moby Dick level. Of. Exactly. <laughs> Dorothy wearing a shawl she purchased from Botany 5000. <laughs> <laughs> jokes about it but it's like i i revel in (laughs) the mundaneness of the stories so now granted that's not really a mundane story that that's a pretty um i don't know relevant story actually uh but it's uh just as far as it being related to the golden girls (laughs) yeah is is humorous so all right well do either of you two have anything else to add to this episode god no (laughs) we've rolled on long enough all right you said uh button up i think it's it's almost two hours now yeah, yeah pretty close um yeah so uh life to love to us (laughs) stay golden coco hey thanks so much for downloading today if you enjoyed that opening you should definitely check out ashley jade on youtube she has a bunch of awesome compositions on there if you want to get in touch you can email us at sophia's choice podcast at gmail.com you can also reach us on twitter at sophia's choice pc we plan to have a new episode out every monday If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.